And once I named that fear, and for me, the fear was the fear of leaving a company that I had been at for 20 years. Like you mentioned, that was my family, my, my work family. That was my network. That was where I built my skills. That's where I felt valued. That was my reputation. I was going to leave all of that behind, or so I thought, right? In hindsight, we don't. But in my mind, I felt that fear. And again, once I named that fear, it just opened up so many ideas and doors to me. Welcome to Successful, the podcast, a show about the stories of women redefining success. We're your hosts. I'm Carla. And I'm Natalie. Like you, we're two career women figuring out the meaning of success. In each episode, we bring you our stories and the stories of other women who are redefining success in life, in work, and on their own terms. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Successful, the podcast. I'm Carla, and I am here with the lovely Natalie. Hello, Natalie. Hello, hello. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Yeah, it's always fun to record on Fridays. I feel like it is fun. It's like, oh, we got some plans for the weekend. We can we can relax. Things are winding down. Almost. What are you doing yeah. this weekend? I'm curious. <laughs> what am I doing this weekend? Oh my goodness. Um per usual, and I don't think this is actually something that I talk a lot about on the podcast, but we rock climb every Saturday morning. And so rock climbing tomorrow, and we've actually shifted what we've been doing at the rock climbing gym recently. So normally we do top rope climbing, which is where you're hooked up to a rope and they're the really tall walls. So you have to have a partner, obviously, to do that. Um, and we've been doing that for years, but recently we moved over to bouldering, which if you're not familiar, mm. that's where you're not hooked up to anything. The walls are shorter but it's extremely scary because you're not hooked into anything. If you fall, you're falling on the ground <laughs> on pads, obviously, that catch you. But we shifted over to doing that maybe two or three weeks ago. And so it's been a huge learning curve. Number one in confidence, which we're going to talk a bit more about today. But I had to kind of train myself out of that fear of falling. Like I had to do some easier routes and purposely fall so that I could learn how to fall and not hurt myself. So that's been a big thing. And also it's great for training because you get at different angles. So you can do steeper angles, which really tears up your hands um, and makes them stronger. I mean, it sounds awful, but you know, the amount of blisters that I have right now are, is a little <laughs> bit, <laughs> but it's all about well. like making you stronger and a better climber and removing that fear. I think that's so, so that's brave. Wow. I've tried rock climbing and I just could not. I, I did bouldering and that was fun. <laughs> I don't think I've shared this with you. I'm reading an amazing book. It's kind of a classic at this point. It's called Into Thin Air by John Krakauer. And it's about mm, I've heard of that. Climb to Everest in the 90s. Mm -hmm. It's a fascinating book. And I just think, gosh, like, can you imagine climbing but climbing in like a hurricane type no. storm in no. at 29,000 feet. <laughs> yeah. Only if no my oxygen. life depended on it, not if I signed up and paid to do it. 
no oh offense gosh. to those people. <laughs> no, they, I don't know. I mean, it's fascinating to read and learn about it, but I could never do it. I mean, it costs thousands and thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. but it's so interesting. It's like this thing that has this grip on me, like this fascination, yeah. but I just could not do but I'm still fascinated by it, by climbing. You definitely could do it. I mean, maybe not Everest, but rock climbing in general, it's yeah, yeah. It's a skill like anything else. You could definitely do it. Well, thank you. I'll take you the next time <laughs> that you visit. I got, I got a few things to learn, I think. Yeah, how to properly <laughs> use my body weight. Yeah. But yeah, it's, you know, it, it's something that's extremely humbling. Um, yeah. I was actually talking to my trainer recently and she was trying rock climbing and, you know, she's basically a bodybuilder. So she's extremely strong. And she goes, that was one of the more humbling experiences I've ever had in my life. So interesting. Wow. It's a different kind of strength. It's a different kind of strength. And and it's like a strategy too. Like I I remember using my arms too much and I need to learn how to use my legs. Things like that. It's a puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. But enough about rock climbing. What are you up to this weekend and where are you in the world? (laughs) We are in Phoenix, so we're right in the okay. city. We're going to a, an Elton John concert tonight. I'm very excited. Ooh, how fun. Yeah, but it's been it's been a busy few weeks. I'm getting ready to go to teach some workshops next week in gorgeous Miami. I am super excited about that. Uh, but what I'm one of the workshops that I'm teaching is all about confidence, which actually is what we're talking about today about with with our podcast guest, Haida Garrigan. And it's so interesting to, you know, we talk about confidence, like it's just like, oh, yeah, you got to be confident. But when you actually build a workshop around it, it's like, okay, how do you teach what it means to be confident, right? How to show up confidently. And so I have been really swimming in that topic uh, for the last for the last few weeks, but particularly this week, as I'm getting ready to to go, that's been my my week, pretty much, just preparing for the workshop. But I'm really excited. I'm going to get to present to about 60 executive women. So wow. I'm going to have a big room, and we're going to do some really fun exercises. And it's in Miami. I mean, what's there not not to like? <laughs> so I'm That's really amazing. Excited about that. Yeah, yeah. I so, am so excited yeah. for this opportunity for you. I can't Thank wait you. to hear all about it. Thank you so much. And I'm excited for all of you to hear about our, our conversation with Heidi Garrigan. She and I met when I was still working in the corporate world, and she was already doing the things that I wanted to do as an entrepreneur. So I'm really excited for all of you to meet her. Without further ado, I introduce you all to Heidi Garrigan. Today, we are joined by someone who I've known quite for some time and I think is very relevant to have on the show today, just given the types of conversations that we've been having with other guests. So Haida Garrigan is joining us. She is a coach and entrepreneur, owner of Pivotal Consulting. And Haida, one thing that I want to share with you is that our guests have been telling us things like, when you have someone that is doing what you want to do, when you see that person doing what you want to do, it gives you confidence, right? It gives you confidence that you can do it. And I met you when I was still at the past company that we all share. And I was thinking of launching my business. I was thinking like, I want to be a coach. I want to be an entrepreneur. And you were the first person that I met that was doing what I wanted to do. I don't think I ever shared that with you, but you were the first person. And seeing you doing what I wanted to do gave me 
confidence to leave the corporate world and launch my business. So I want to say, first of all, thank you for that. And second of all, I want to just, you know, have you introduce yourself, tell us about your company, about what you do, and welcome to the show. Well, thank you for that, Carla. No, I don't think we've ever talked about that, but you're right. Having someone that you can see be successful the way you envision yourself is always motivation, right? And I've had that in my life as well. And so I appreciate the thank you there. And yeah, so my name is Haida, as I as you mentioned, and uh, Pivotal Consulting. So yeah, yeah, by day, I am a, a leadership coach and I work with teams as well as individuals throughout any part of their career, really trying to tap into their potential and make them realize how much potential they really have, right? And I really enjoy loving and I love doing that. By night, I would say I am a wife, a mom of three teenage boys, which makes for a very loud and busy and hungry household. I am also a runner. I do CrossFit. I love the outdoors and just love traveling and taking adventures. So yeah, that's me. I love that. And you live in Denver, Colorado, I, do. I believe, right? I do. Yeah, I live in my... yeah. Great city. One of my favorite states. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, my hometown been here about 20 years now and love it. Absolutely. It just kind of meets all of our needs. As I mentioned, the outdoors, but it's got great arts and museums and just people, just wonderful people. Yeah, it's a really great place. Yeah. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, when I when I kicked things off, like really the reason that you and I met was because somebody said, hey, I know that you're a coach and you want to do more coaching. I know someone that's already doing that, that used to work where we work. Do you want to connect with them? And I remember when we first talked, I just thought, gosh, like how courageous it is to leave a place that you have known for so long, right? A place where you have a work family and you just are comfortable in many ways and leave for the unknown, leave to become an entrepreneur, something that I'd never done in my life. And I don't think that you had done when you when you left the corporate world. Tell us a little bit about that journey. What led you to say, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to just take the leap and <laughs> go for it. Yeah. And I, it's so funny. I never saw myself as an entrepreneur, right? I just, I was a corporate businesswoman and that was it. I didn't have goals in essence to always own my own business. I just kind of fell into it because I figured out what I finally wanted to do in my life. <laughs> and once I figured that, I recognized that in order to do that at 100% of the time, I had to go out on my own, right? So we'd, I'd been working at this big consulting company and I wasn't unhappy, but I, I knew I wasn't 100% happy. And I was trying to figure out where, what I could do, where, where my passion was, right? What energized me and a number of people kind of guided me or pointed me in the direction of leadership coaching. I always loved working with people and supporting others and, and helping them. And this seemed like a good idea of doing it and combining my corporate experience, right? And working with people. And it's funny that you say the word courageous. So I was in a leadership workshop myself and we were given cards and they had adjectives that described people on it. And you were giving cards to people as well as picking up cards that described your own self and how you saw yourself. And two colleagues who didn't know each other, but who knew me, both gave me the card with courage on it. And I remember going home that night, kind of a little confused, <laughs> honestly. I said, 
why would they give me this word? Like, I did not see myself as that. And I, I ended up talking to them about it. I ended up reaching back out and asking them. And they just kind of gave me their insights of how they saw me as being courageous. And this was before I even left, right? But it was that stepping stone that helped me kind of see myself in that way and kind of think, well, if others see me as courageous, I need to see myself as courageous. And I want to, I want to step into that. And, and so I just think it's so helpful to have others around you that support you or see you the way others see you, even if you don't see yourself that way, right? So that was kind of my stepping stone into the idea of becoming a coach full-time. But really, what, it, what really, again, propelled that was recognizing the fears that stood in front of me. Um, and once I named that fear... And for me, the fear was the fear of leaving a company that I had been at for 20 years. Like you mentioned, that was my family, my, my work family. That was my network. That was where I built my skills. That's where I felt valued. That was my reputation. I was going to leave all of that behind, or so I thought, right? In hindsight, we don't. But in my mind, I felt that fear. And again, once I named that fear, it just opened up so many ideas and doors to me. Yeah. Wow. It's so interesting how where you work can become your identity, right? Like like you say things like, I'm a consultant, I'm this, and you really start to adopt that identity. And so when it's time to let go of that identity, it's not just letting go of the company, the people, it's letting go of that identity, the way that you see yourself. So it's, yeah, there's a lot of fear associated with that. And I love your story about the descriptors I kid you not, Haida, we must have gone to the same coaching program or something <laughs> because I had that exact same experience. I think the word that people were using for me, they were like putting post-its on my back and I was doing the same for other people. And the word that people put on my back was brave. And I think that looking back, it was because I was a nomad. I had already moved into our camper, I think, <laughs> trying to connect the timeframes. And I remember thinking like, brave? brave? I'm not brave. But I was doing the thing that a lot of people thought was brave. I'm curious, looking back, what do you think it was that you were doing in during that time that you weren't seeing as courageous, but other people were, if you can that's remember? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I, I don't know if I asked the specifics, but probably feeling confident, feeling sure of myself, even if I wasn't maybe 100% un, un, underneath the skin, right? But portraying that confidence, being resilient, I think, right? Just going, you know, when things go wrong, pick it up and keep going and, and not, you know, wallowing or focusing on the bad things, right? So maybe that's what they saw. Because when I think back, I think that's what, what emulates, what, you know, what shines out of you, right? Is that from a courage or brave, which is another great word, just to, it comes down to confidence and believing in yourself, right? That's amazing. I love that story too. And it's something that I think about a lot. And I thank you so much for sharing because Carla and I have this experience frequently where, you know, we both have a little bit of imposter syndrome. And I think, you know, recording this show, especially in our first season, we would be so self-conscious about, well, how did I sound? And was that question I asked too long or I felt like I sounded stupid and we would have that real time, you know, touch base right after we recorded and our feedback for each other was, you sounded amazing. I loved that question. 
you're so great at this. And it would just reflect back what that other person saw us as. And it was such a contrast every time. I think every time, Carla, we were both like beating ourselves up, whereas the other person saw us as amazing. And I think about that a lot. Like the way other people see you is so not how we see ourselves. Yeah. Which is I mean, imposter syndrome, there's thousands of books written about it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a true thing. You're saboteurs. You can read a thousand more books about that, right? And it they're real and and it 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 can drag somebody down. And I'm not saying we don't obviously still experience that, right? But again, understanding how you portray that or or just try to just face it, right? I don't say to ignore it because you can't ignore that, right? You can't ignore the fear. Again, that's why I kind of say name the fear, right? What is it that is standing in my way and preventing me from doing whatever it is that I want to do next, right? It was actually another coach when you talked about mentors, Carla. I was in a different leadership program. I was trying to reflect and do a lot of reflecting at that time in my life. And I was in a different leadership program and the exercise was, um, what are you afraid of? What's your fear? And everybody's busy scribbling and writing. And I, I, I just sat there. And the, my, the coach at the time, the facilitator came over to me and she knew me and knew normally I was very engaged and said, something wrong? And I said, no, I just, I don't think I have any fears. And she kind of smiled or smirked at me and said, okay, why don't you just go home and think more about that, right? And I, and I went on my day and I did, I, I did pause thinking, why did everybody else have these fears that they then shared? how come I don't? That seems weird, right? Like I must be avoiding them or not acknowledging them. And it took me three months. So I'm not the fastest learner, but that is when it came to me. When I woke up, I just, it was three months of reflecting. And I just woke up one day and I thought, I'm afraid to leave what I know. I am afraid to leave the comfort. I wasn't afraid of change. It wasn't the unknown that I was afraid of. I was afraid to leave what I knew. And I called her up and I was like, Carol, can we have lunch? And she's like, sure. And we sat at lunch and I just started crying. I, I mean, I was so emotional. I said, I am afraid of leaving my company. And she's like, okay. <laughs> right? but for me, that was like the biggest statement I could have made. And again, that just naming it. And, and then we went down the, okay, so what's the worst thing that can happen? Are you okay with that happening, right? What if, the what if, the, all those exercises you can do. And I walked out of that lunch and I felt empowered and I thought, I'm going to go do this. I have people around me telling me, go do this. Go, you will be good at this. Go do this. And that's when I said, I'm going to leave, leave my company and start my own company, right? Amazing. And I'm curious, after you spoke that out loud and named that fear. I mean, it's always really releasing. If you write something down or actually speak it out loud, I'm curious how you maintained that feeling of, you know, I'm going to conquer this fear. I'm going to do this thing. Did you have a writing practice or any like habit practices to kind of keep you in that space of focusing on what you wanted to do next? I didn't have a writing practice, though I do recommend that. So I am a big, I big, you know, I think journaling is great. For me, it was more pausing and asking myself questions. So every time I'm a big feeler, so I can feel fear or hesitancy in my body, like my stomach gets in knots or I get sweaty or whatever, right? So I feel that, which gives me a sign to say, hey, pause for a second. Why are you feeling this? What are you feeling? 
What's, you know, what is it? Name it. And so for me, it's more of a practice of pausing and then really, again, identifying what is it that, that I'm nervous about, about if it's about talking to someone in particular or whatever it is, it's naming it then pausing. This is such a timely conversation. I'm actually giving a workshop next week on confidence and everything that we're talking about is so related to what I'm teaching. And one of those things is naming it. That is so powerful because to your point, Haida, when we feel anxious, you know, fearful, we have self-doubt, imposter syndrome, it doesn't feel good in our bodies. Like it really shows up in our bodies and it's uncomfortable. And so many of us just ignore it, right? Because, oh, we don't want to deal with it. But there's that that tightness in the throat, that pit in the stomach, the sweaty palms. And and we need to pay attention to those, right? Our bodies are telling us, hey, there's, there's a danger here. Our, our brains are like saboteur, right? There's a danger here. You're feeling it in your body. And when you name it, you start to disempower it, disempower it. There are times that where your brain does need to tell you, hey, there's danger, like if you're being chased by a lion, right? <laughs> but there are times <laughs> when our brains are just lying to us, right? Like if you leave your company, the world is going to fall apart. And so naming it to your point is such a powerful way and, and naming it can look just like writing it down, right? Like what are the thoughts that are creating that emotion? And I remember when, when I was in my coach training, we named our, we called it gremlin at the time. And we actually had to really name it, like, like give it a name and introduce it to the class <laughs> and, and have like an object that represented what it was. So, you know, I, I think I brought silly putty or something like that. And I named it Bob or something like that. And it was, you know, I don't even know what my gremlin was. I, my gremlin is definitely different now, but I'm curious if you've ever done something like that where you've like been like, oh, hey there, Sally, you know, I see you. <laughs> I see you with a fear. Have, have you ever done anything like that? I haven't named it in a like personal way, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> but I have named it and then recognized that there's common threads, right? Mm -hmm. So you notice that you have similar fears all along, right? Or that your fear of, um, you know, I'm someone who enjoys, I like to be liked. Right. And so I don't like it when people are angry at me or upset with me or, or something. And so but that sometimes gets in my way. And so I need to know sometimes that that might be not necessarily a fear, but something that might get in my way from being successful or proceeding to do something or doing something that's hard, even though it's the right thing. But if it makes me look feel bad. Right. Or I'm letting someone down or something like that. So I just recognize that it comes up again. So that same fears sometimes reemerge and we just have to keep acknowledging that and keep yeah. pausing and figuring out how am I going to, how can I get through that? Right. I think yeah. there's a book called burnout that you've probably read. It talks about finishing the stress cycle or closing the stress cycle. And I think that's huge as well. Right. So it's not just acknowledging the stress or avoiding the stress, but kind of doing something that will get that stress out of your body, right? Whether it's crying or laughing or running or whatever it is that meditation, something like, you know, that helps you figure out how to do that. So that has helped me as well. Um, and be more conscious of how other people take on stress or, and, and how other people, what their behaviors are like, right? I mean, I live, as I mentioned, I live with my husband and my three boys and it's a, watching them how they behave and what affects them and, and just being conscious of that and supporting them through that right yeah Heide, earlier you talked about confidence and actually the workshop i'm teaching next week is all about confidence and 
it's interesting because as I was preparing for this workshop, I I looked at what does confidence mean? Like if we really look at it, like what does it mean? How is it defined? When you think about confidence for you, especially that confidence you needed to leave the corporate world and move into your into launching your business, become a coach full time. How do you define confidence for yourself? Like, how do you know when you're confident? Confidence is taking chances, be willing to grow. I think confidence is staying true to your values. I can be confident when I'm aligned to my values. It's when I second guess myself or, or feel those gremlins coming in when something's not aligned. And so again, really understanding who you are. I know you love to travel. And so I think traveling is a great way for pe for people any, at any age, but especially young folks to figure themselves out, right? And figure out what is important to them and what are those values, like I said. And so that is something that I've always done, which is just aligned my life to my values and really tried to stay on that path. I mean, we know the road goes up and down and curves around a lot. So, but really kind of stay aligned to that. And that allows me to stay confident because if I, if I, if I know what I believe in and I, and I can stay with that, that brings out my confidence. Right. Yeah. Your, your values are a compass that can guide you and you can come back to what are your values? If, if you don't mind sharing, I'm curious. Uh, I am one for balance for sure. Honesty, obviously fairness is an interesting one that I probably would not have named, but over the last few years, I've recognized that when some things are not fair in my mind, it really bothers me. And that can be in corporate teams or when my kids are trying out for sports teams, right? That, that when thing, when I see things as unfair, that is a bother that challenges me. So fairness is probably another challenge or uh, value of mine. So, yeah, values change, right? I mean, I, my values when I was 20 were different than when I was 30 and definitely different now than I'm 50 something, right? I mean, our values change and that's okay. And recognize that, right? And then the one thing I always share with my clients is don't judge somebody else's values, right? Um, so we can't, Everybody has their own values. And as long as they are aligned to those values, I have to, I, I respect that, right? I need to respect somebody else's values. Yeah, that makes sense. So going back real quick to how you got into running your own company, I'm really curious how people approach this. And I know people do it in different ways, but you had that epiphany about your fear, you expressed it, you realized that you wanted to go down on this path. Were you still working your corporate job at that time? And then did you start to kind of craft your business while working in your corporate job or did you quit immediately? No, I definitely didn't quit immediately. Like okay. I said, I, it takes me a long time to kind of get into that change. So once I decided that I took a coach training class and I thought, oh, I really like this. Then I took on some pro bono clients because I kind of had to figure out if they could really do this and wanted to do that. Once I, That was for about a year. And I still had my corporate job at that time. I was doing it on the side. Again, it was pro bono. Then I had a person in my network who reached out to me and we had lunch and we were talking about some things and she called me the next day and she said, you're hired. And I said, for what? <laughs> she said, I want you to coach my team. We need some leadership coaching. And I said, well, I already have a job. Like, I, I, And she said, I'll give you three months. You can come and work with me in three months. And so I, I had a coach at the time and I remember calling up my coach and saying, oh my God, I just got a client. I, I don't even know how I did that. 
and she said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I think I need to wait until I have three clients. <laughs> she just looked at me and she's like, why? And I was just putting hurdles in front of me, right? Even though the fear had been named and all that, I was still putting that in front of me. And she helped me talk through like, yeah, you know, why would I need three? Why? What's the magic number with three, right? Why three? And I said, I don't, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I just, and so she was the one who's helped me understand, you know, one client is really great. Why don't you go for it? And so that's when I gave my notice and then took, it took three months to transition out of my current role because I also was leaving a place, like I said, that I loved and enjoyed the people and I didn't want to leave anybody in a lurch. So it took me a few months to undo some of the work that I'd been doing and hand it off. And then I jumped right into that one client. I would say something I learned was that I was so focused on that one client that about two months later, I came up to breathe and I had zero clients all of a sudden because I had not done any business development. And that was a, you know, entrepreneur 101, right? You must, you know, deliver and sell at the same time, right? You have to kind of do both. So I, I got back on the horse and got more clients and, you know, I haven't looked back. It's been nine years now. It's hard to believe it's been nine years. It's fascinating to me, but yeah, so that was one lesson I learned for sure. But so no, it didn't happen overnight. I also had a lot of safety nets in my mind. I kept thinking, well, if this doesn't work, I can always go back to my old company. And I, I kind of, I mean, maybe that was a little bit egotistical, but I kind of felt like that was an option. And I, you know, so I figured I'm going to give it a go. And I said, I had given myself two years. I said, if I can't turn a profit and, and make this a living, and if I don't love it, I'll go back or I'll find something else. So I'd kind of given myself milestones. I'm much more of a, you know, goal oriented type person. So I needed kind of those stepping points, but yeah, I've loved it. I remember the first time I said no to a client, that was a big deal because I was still first year and I'd worked for this one particular company and I just didn't believe they were not aligning to my values. Let's put it that way. And when they wanted a phase two, I politely said, no, thank you. And I remember coming home and saying to my husband, oh my God, what did I just do? I just said no to work, right? But I had to, again, stay true to who I was and what I stood for and what I wanted to do, right? So. But what an amazing opportunity to be able to have that freedom of choice to say no. And to, I mean, that's one of the beauties of being an entrepreneur coming from somebody who's not. I believe <laughs> that you get to live your values real time with the work that you do. And I think, yep. you know, even though that's scary and you did feel maybe in the moment that you were doing something wrong and maybe detrimental, it's great to be able to align what you do to how you want to live your life. Yeah. I had another client early on. My kids were younger at this time, right? And we, I had planned to take Friday off and we were going to go skiing. And I had a client that I was trying to secure the contract with and they I had given him some ideas and he loved them. And he said, that's a great idea. We're going to have a meeting on Friday. So I want you to come. And I was like, oh man, okay. Like, you know, and I wanted to be there professionally, but I had already told my kids we were going skiing and all this stuff. And so I called him up and I said, I'm sorry, I can't, right? Because remember balance was one of my values. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't be there. I'm taking my kids. And he countered with, okay, well, you can just dial in. You can just call into the meeting. And that pulled again. And I was like, oh, I, I can't. And, and I thought about it and I called him back the next day and I said, I'm really sorry, but I committed, you know, this is why I'm an entrepreneur. This is why I own my own business. 
I, I have to say no. And I remember that weekend thinking, well, there went that client too bad. Um, and on Monday he called me and he said, the meeting went great. I would love you to, to come in so I can give you a debrief and we can sign the contract. And I honestly think because I stuck to my values, because I was true to myself and that confidence kind of came through, even though inside I might've been churning, that made the difference for, for him. I love that. So many amazing lessons. And, and yeah, when you stand up for your values, it's not comfortable. It doesn't feel comfortable all the time, but chances are that it will work out, right? Most likely it will work out. And if it doesn't work out, then it wasn't meant to be, but you will feel good with the decision that you made because it was aligned to, to your values. I work, with clients. Oh, go ahead. I work mm -hmm. with clients that they're not feeling great because their client, their values are being, you know, misaligned. And I always ask them the question, like, is this, you know, is this a place you want to continue being or working with this particular person? If those, you know, if you're at, at odds with your values constantly, right? Because it doesn't feel yeah. good, like you said. So, Right, right. Hi, I'm curious because you are nine years into your business. I'm two years into my business. And you talk about these safety nets, right? That give you like that feeling of like, okay, like if things don't work out, then then I have this other fallback back plan. And I was just talking to my husband yesterday about my safety nets, what I feel are my safety nets. And sometimes for me, my thinking about my safety nets, I don't like it. <laughs> like, because it feels like, well, no, I'm going to prove myself that I can do this, right? And and I've heard like some people say like, cut your safety nets, like burn your bridges when you're going entrepreneurship because when you're all in, then you make it work, you know, then you succeed. But I think that there is something to be said about having those safety nets of feeling like, okay, well, if this doesn't work out, it's not like I'm completely destitute. I'm curious now, nine years in, what do you still have safety nets? And and if if not, at what point were you finally ready to let them go? I don't have them in the same way. I'm not sure when I let them go per se, but they've changed. And so my safety nets now are, I probably would say my network, people that I trust and I make conscious effort to meet up with on a monthly basis to kind of fill my bucket. Being an entrepreneur can be a little lonely. <laughs> and so when you're working by yourself, even though you have clients and stuff, but I miss the collaboration and the brainstorming piece. So I have built people around me that I can collaborate and connect with and who can also boost my confidence. So when I am feeling low or I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to get this contract or I don't know if I want to do this anymore. or I don't know if I can do this. Those are the ones that kind of be like, dust me off and say, you got this. In fact, just last night, I was out to dinner with some folks and I said, I must have made a comment about, I don't, you know, they asked me if I was going to write a book. And I said, I don't have plans to write a book. And she, they said, well, you have so much to share. And I commented and said, I don't know. I don't think anything, I don't have anything too special. And they just completely disagreed with me. Right. And, and I'm not bought in yet, but they were like, I, you have so much to share. Right. And so when other people think you're special feels good. Right. And so I surround myself with people that I know that can rally behind me in that way. And I rally for them. Right. And I hopefully am that person to many other people as well so that I can motivate them and, and bring them up. Right. So to me, my safety net is probably my network right now. Which sounds much more uplifting now than than a safety net of if you fail, don't worry. Right. It's more yeah. like there's no failing. Right. You're just 
doing your thing. And the safety net is something that that supports you, that lifts you up instead of being something like a net that would catch you if you fall. I love that. And I'm curious how much it is your saboteurs and your gremlins telling you that you have nothing to share because I would be willing to bet your your friends are right. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So you shared so many good lessons that you learned throughout the way. Uh, one that I am guilty of as an entrepreneur is doing what you talked about, of focusing so much on one client that you don't build the others. <laughs> guilty. But I'm curious, what other... What other big lessons have you learned either about life, about yourself, about entrepreneurship that have maybe surprised you as you've gone through that transition and and built your, your own business? Well, ironically, just talking about network, my lesson or my advice would be don't go at it alone. And even though people think of I own my own business, I am my own, per you know, I'm it, don't go at it alone, right? All There are people there to support you, whether it be helping with things in the house, you know, whether it be helping with the business, whether it just be an emotional support, a psychological support, but know what you want, set yourself some goals and miles. It, it will change over time. <laughs> so every time you reach a milestone, it will change and that's okay, right? That's life, right? So it's not all gonna be set in stone. You have to be adaptable, but just uh, don't do it alone. That's such an important lesson. I actually had a college student that wants to run a business herself ask me, what would you say to a budding entrepreneur? And I said the exact thing. I said, don't do it alone. Cause it doesn't mean that you have to have a business partner. You can still be on your own, but find a Natalie, right? Like find somebody that that is along the journey with you, at least in one of the things that you're doing, right? Or find a coach, find a mentor, somebody that can support you and help you feel like, yeah, you're, you got somebody accompanying you on, on the path. Yeah. I mean, I just, client just kind of set, asked me to put some thoughts together about a new program. And I immediately reached out to another fellow coach and said, Hey, can you meet on Monday and brainstorm? I also know that's how I work best. So I do that my best work in that. And I know that about myself. And so I, I put, I, I create the environments that I can thrive in. And so that would be the other advice, right? If you know how you work best, create that environment, right? And, and help yourself be successful in that way. Yeah, that's great advice because your environment influences your energy, right? It influences how you show up. It influences how you feel. And your environment is everything from like the weather to your workspace, right? Or the people that you're surrounding yourself. I love that method of, you know, when you brainstorm, when you're live with someone that fuels you, that that helps you show up in in a very authentic way, I would imagine. Yeah. So what advice might you give someone? So we talked a little bit about confidence. You know, you you let go of the fear of leaving what you knew to go into some the unknown. What confidence or what what advice would you give around how to show up confidently to someone that is kind of in that position where they're like, Oh no, it's it's safe right here. It feels nice and warm and cozy where I am. I don't want to jump to the next thing. What would you share? I think everybody's different about what they need, right? Some people really need to have a planned out and and, 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 and all the what if answers. Others definitely don't want that and they just kind of wing it a little bit more. And again, there's no right or wrong. So what allows you to be confident? That's, you know 
do they take time to by themselves? Do they get rally with it? other people. I just saw a funny meme. It was a professional soccer team and they were warming up and they were all like dancing. I mean, they, these were like grown men dancing in the field and that was how they warmed up. And I thought, oh yeah, like that is how I would warm up. Forget the stretching thing. Like that is totally what I would do. So I think you just have to figure out what works for you and what gets you that confidence, right? I mean, obviously you need enough sleep and all that other life stuff, right? But what pumps you up? What what gets you there, right? And recognize what works for you may not work for others, as well as what what you may say or do may bring somebody else down, right? When my kids were younger and they would have a sporting event, I would say to them, we'd be driving to the event. I was like, are you nervous? And they're like, not until you asked me. (laughs) I thought that was the dumbest question I could have asked, right? Like, but I was nervous. So I just wanted to see if they were nervous. But why? Why would I do that? Right. And so I have learned not to do that. Right. And not to put my own feelings or emotions onto somebody else and just let them be where they need to be. Right. So, yeah. Don't plant seeds. Don't ask anybody (laughs) if they're nervous. Like now we're thinking about now we're nervous, mom. What are you doing? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I do have one selfish question and it's kind of something we wanted to chat about, but you did mention that you have three boys. And this is something that I think about frequently. I got married this year and, you know, thinking down the line, of course, I would love to have kids. It's something that I would really love to do in my life, but it scares me from a career perspective. Like I want to be able to be there for my kids and be present also further my career. And sometimes it just seems nearly impossible. I've seen people who make it look really easy, but I know it's not. You have to have a lot of help along the way. So you've mentioned that one of your values is balance. And I can only imagine that that has a lot to do with you having a family, as you mentioned, you know, going on that ski trip and setting that boundary for yourself. I'm really curious your thoughts about motherhood and career and how, you know, growing your own business and being able to make those decisions for yourself has, you know, allowed you to find that balance and be a mother and have your career at the same time. Yeah. So I am a hundred percent all in on parenthood and careers, whether it's women, men, just parenthood in general. So I do think companies are a little bit better now than they were 20 years ago when I started having kids, right? About understanding that balance and parenthood and leaves and things like that but it really does come from inside right you have to be the one it's not a it's not an either or it's a yes and right yes i'm a mom and i'm a career woman right and i have a husband who works and i have three kids right like it's just all it's an and 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 i think that's huge i also think women especially but men and women need a purpose in life and i also believe that that purpose should not come from just one place. Because if you're just one thing, one role, and that and something and that changes, that's hard, right? But when you have a sense of purpose in multiple areas, so I get a sense of purpose from being a mom. I get a sense of purpose from being an amazing, you know, daughter and friend and wife and career woman, right? So I have a sense of purpose in multiple areas. And I think that's important. And I would say that. Now, the counter to that is 
you can't do everything all at the same time. And there's been articles written about that, right? You can have it all, but not all at once. And there is, I definitely believe that as well, right? So you may need to be 100 miles an hour on, a, on the highway for your career, and then you decide, okay, I'm going to exit off, and I'm going to just stay on the road, right? Or I'm just going to move over to the right lane and, and just and kind of track that. And then I'm going to get back faster and I'm going to, right? So I may drive different speeds. I may drive on different roads. I may take make different choices. And, and again, for each person it may look different, but having, I, you know, I'm a firm believer. I worked full-time. I worked part-time for eight years for the large company I did that I went back full-time. Then I took, you know, as an entrepreneur now, entrepreneur, my hours differed depending on the time that, you know, how many clients I'm managing. So it just constantly changes. So as soon as you get comfortable, of course, it's going to change, right? But be okay with that change and, and know that you're going to have to make choices, right? I mean, we, there's only 24 hours in the day. That part does not change. And so what you do today and how you fill your day, if you start a family, it's going to look different. You can't do everything you're doing today and everything you want to continue doing. That was probably another lesson for me. I remember I had three kids. They were under the age of three. I was hosting some party, like a book party or Tupperware or some kind of a party at my house. And why? I don't know. I think it was kid toys, if I remember. It was like kid toys. So I was all about it. And I invited all my mom friends and I just broke down crying in the kitchen because I was doing too much and I loved socializing. I love hosting. I loved be right. I just, I had, over, I took on too much. I couldn't do it all. Right. It doesn't mean that it's not going to come back. Right. It just, you can't do it all at the same time. Yeah. It's all about the prioritization and it goes back to values too. So if you're able to have the value of wanting to be a career person and then wanting to be a family person, being able to find some kind of split that works for you, whether that's working part-time or, is deciding to devote more time to your career once your kids go into school, that kind of thing. So that's really helpful. It just is going to ebb and flow and yeah. you just recognize what that ebb and flow and go with it, right? Versus trying to, again, do it all, mm. right? Yeah. I have that habit of trying to do it all. So I'm trying to work on that. <laughs> You're not alone. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's definitely a struggle. So I'm curious, as we start to wind down here, Haida, what is your definition of success today and how has it evolved over time since you've moved from corporate world to being an entrepreneur and also a mom? Yeah, it's probably evolved as in the decades, right? Again, success in my 20s looked different than success in my 30s, 40s, 50s because, and I would have to probably go back to values. Our values change sometimes. And so again, success is being confident and reaching your goals being resilient in when it doesn't work out that you can keep pick yourself up and keep going and doing all of that while staying aligned to your values right so to me it's confidence resilience and values would it would be the three touch points yeah and i think you've exhibited all three through your story today so thank yeah. you so much for sharing yeah so thank you so much haida for joining us. I do have one last question since we have just a little bit of time is you talked about that evolution of how you change from your 20s to your 30s to your 40s. Now, you know, in your 50s, what would you tell Haida 
at 20 years old. I loved my 20s and I think I did a lot of things well, but it's interesting. I, my son is almost 20. And so I frequently ask myself, what insights can I share with him? Right. Because that's, I'm, I'm his mother. Right? I would say dream big to set yourself goals. Make sure you're aligned to others, to your values and don't judge others. Travel and learn about yourself. I, that's a huge one that I would give my kids and anyone that advice. Uh, treasure relationships and just live life to its fullest. Just continue going. Yeah, live life. Where you know when you're 20, you should be optimistic and excited about what's ahead, and just grab onto that. Try new things. Like I said, travel, learn about yourself. Just right. The, the rest of the life will come, right? And so, yeah, just enjoy that time frame. I would say that advice applies to any decade. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful advice. Haida, thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. And we'll see you all soon. Great. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Successful. If you liked what you heard, give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at SuccessfulThePod. See you next time.